Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. We've been talking about um, just a simple theme, Hello, My Name Is, this month. I'm bringing that series to a close today. We talked about Peter. We talked about um, uh, Adam last week. But today I want to just talk about Jesus. (laughs) Hello, my name is Jesus. He introduced himself to a young man named Saul on a road to Damascus. And I'll get to that scripture in a moment, but I want to introduce you to Saul. Um, first of all, that we could say, hello, my name is Saul. We pick up reading about Saul in Acts chapter 7, in verse 54, when uh, the, the deacon named Stephen also had an evangelistic calling upon his life, and he went forth preaching, and there were certain people who resisted the mention of the name Jesus. So they arrested Stephen, and they were getting ready to stone him. And verse 54 in our text picks it up that says that when they heard these things that Stephen was saying, I'm in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, they were cut to their heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Can I just give you a nugget right now? This is going to bless somebody. That when your enemies are coming against you, don't begin to magnify the circumstance and the situation. Can you still see Jesus in the midst of your storm? Can you still see Jesus when people are coming against you? That's what Stephen said. Look, I'm not looking at what y'all doing to me. I'm looking at what God is doing. I see the heavens open and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. That's what the world is trying to do with the name Jesus. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. See, we get an introduction to Saul. Fellow, what's your name? I I want to leave my jacket here with you. I don't want nobody to steal it. What's your hello? My name is Saul. Verse 59, then they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Going over to the next chapter, 8 and 1, Saul now consenting to his death. 
At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Let me jump over to the ninth chapter, verse 1. Then Saul, he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So we're going to get another introduction to in a moment, not just to Jesus, not just to Saul. We're going to get an introduction to the church because the church had many names. Here's one of the names. They're called disciples of the Lord. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way. Y'all see that? That's another name for the, for the church. People of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, Hello, my name is Jesus. <laughs> I'm the one you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. See, everybody don't know him. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would shake and you would awake your people today to the power and to the purpose of the name Jesus and to the person of Jesus Christ. Here we see in this in this text an introduction to Saul and he's putting the church on trial. Disciples of the Lord, people of the way, Christians were put on trial. Let me ask you a question. If you were put on trial today for being a disciple of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would they be able to say, like they asked Peter the question, weren't you with him? Aren't you one of his disciples? <laughs> Some people might not even ask you that. No, I'm sure you're not saved. You saved? You probably just, some people just probably just fall into shock. They find out you're a Christian. Is there enough evidence if Christianity was a crime, as it is in some countries, would you be convicted? Would, are you a threat to the enemy's kingdom? Is the name Jesus so powerful in your life that the, that the forces of hell actually come against you? See, not everyone who claims to know the name of the Lord really knows him. I think the church has more enemies inside it than we do outside. 
we are we we are more weakened by those who are so-called Christians than those who have no regard for the name Jesus. We need to beware of air quote Christians who are really not followers of Christ. You're dangerous. You're dangerous. Number one, you break down the temperature of those who really are. <laughs> God said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I can't even, I can't even relate to you. I, my body, I, I can't put you in the body because you're not part of the body, so I have to reject you. I got to throw you up. People are often talking about, scientifically, can you prove the existence of God? Yeah, I can tell you I can prove the existence of God. You know what the greatest proof of the existence of God is? It's a changed life of somebody who met him. <laughs> yeah. This is what I used to do in my B.C. days, my before Christ days, but this is who I am now. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not what, I, what I'm, I'm going to be, but I'm on my way. Now, if that's the case that you and I are the proof of the existence of God. Listen to this. There are more people who are atheists today, not because they cannot prove the existence of God, but they cannot see the presence of God in your life. There are more people who are atheists today, who are anti-Christ today, because of so-called Christians who are not truly disciples of the Lord people of the way, followers of Jesus Christ. They're professing, but not possessing. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They don't have any evidence. They don't have any proof. They don't have any fruit in their life. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, this is how you know the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, a real prophet and a false prophet, is by their fruit that you shall know them. Don't tell me you, you're an apple tree and you got, you know, you got blueberries growing off of you. I'm expecting some apples. I'm expecting to see the fruit of the Spirit, some love, some joy, some patience, some self-control, some goodness, some meekness, some, some faith. In Matthew 7 and 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits, verse 16. Is there enough evidence in your life to prove that you are Christian? There are almost 6.8 6 billion people in the world today, and one-third of them claim to be Christians. Over 2 million people on the planet claim to be followers of Christ. There are 43,000 different denominations on the face of there. So what kind of Christian are you, first of all? <laughs> Not everybody is a Christian who claims to be a Christian. Re continuing in Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry if you came to church for a happy, feel-good message. I don't have one of those. Maybe... Maybe next Sunday we might have one. Well, I'm not, not today. I mean, this is just straight no chaser. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But it's he who does the will of my Father in heaven 
There are going to be many who will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. I'm telling you, that's, that's one sentence I do not want to hear in my lifetime or in all eternity. I never want the Lord to deny me. The early followers of Jesus were called by a lot of different names. Some of the names they gave themselves, but you know what's interesting is when the world gives you a name, whew, that's what you really are. I know we got some cynics and some critics who will try to tear you down and they'll, they'll name call, but I'm talking about when they give you a name that is authentic to your lifestyle. That's who you are. I'm talking about your character. I'm talking about who you are when you're not on church Sunday morning at 8 o'clock service. So in, in, in Acts 11 and 26, this, this Saul that we read about who met Jesus now is grown and is growing in his faith. He's not perfect yet, but he's growing in his faith. And he and Barnabas begin to disciple some believers in the city of Antioch. And in 1126, it says, when Barnabas found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and they taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The world gave them the name Christians, which means Christ ones. Christ ones. Prior to that, they were simply called people of the way. That's who, that's who Saul was going around persecuting and, and arresting and, and, and stoning and, and killing and throwing into prison. These people of the way. People who followed Jesus from John 14, 6 when he says, I am the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. There's no other name under heaven given to men whereby we can be saved but the name Jesus. I'm the way, I'm the road. There's, there's two roads in life. Matthew 7 says there's a wide road, it's broad and there are many people who are on it and it leads to destruction but then there's a straight and a narrow way. The old saints used to sing a song, there's a highway to heaven. None can walk up there but the pure in heart. Jesus says, listen, it's a straight and a narrow road. And it leads to eternal life. And there are only a few people who are on that road. These were people who were on that way. And it agitated Saul. But these were people who were, were distinguished by their lifestyle. They were identified with Jesus Christ because when they looked at the life of Jesus, the one who says he's the way, and they looked at the life of these followers of Christ, he said, man, these are people of the way. They act like him. They talk like him. They pray like him. They lay hands on the sick like him. They raise in the dead like him. They cast in out devils like him. They, they generous like him. They love like him. They forgive like him. They're patient like him. They're people of the way. Let me ask you a question. What does the world call you? What's your nickname? If I were to talk to your mama, your daddy, your parents about your behavior, I'm not talking about who you are today, right now on Sunday morning. I know you got your church clothes on and your 
smell good and everything. No, I'm talking about what would your, what would your co-workers say? What would your husband say? What would your spouse say? What would your children say? What would your neighbors say? What would your pastor say? There's a lot of folks that are just church attenders. That don't make you a Christian. Some are just pretenders. We used to, we used to go out on the street and witness and, and we'd ask people if they knew Christ and they would say, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I said, well, wait a minute. You know, just going to church don't make you a Christian. Going into McDonald's don't make you a hamburger. Going into a garage don't make you a car. Going into a church do not make you a Christian. You're just an attender. And then you got some pretenders. There has to be a difference in your life. The tragedy is that what we see today in the church is that people who call themselves Christians have no difference in their lifestyle from people who know they're not a follower of Christ. There's no distinction in our lifestyle. Nothing at all. Nothing in, in terms of how we live, how we give, how we speak, how we, how we steward our bodies, how we raise our children, our values, our, our mindset, our attitudes, reactions. If we stood toe-to-toe with people who are not naming the name of Christ as Lord and Savior, we wouldn't be able to tell. There's no distinction. That's why Paul reminded Peter, I'm sorry, he reminded Timothy, he said, listen, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. There are going to be people in the church who are lovers of themselves. They love money more than they love God. They're boastful, they're proud, they're blasphemers, they're disobedient to parents, they're unthankful, they're unholy, they're unloving, unforgiving. He just went on and said, listen, they have a form of godliness but they don't have any power. They don't, that power that transforms you from the inside out. That power that, that's, oh, I'm not going to say that. You almost made me, but I'm not going to say it. Hallelujah, anyhow. Never, never let your problems get you down. When your problems come, yo, you almost made me say it, but I'm singing hallelujah now. They deny the power. He said, from such people turn away. Beware of Christians who are really not followers of Christ. And if that's you today, I got good news. You can get off that wide and broad road and you can turn around. You can turn around and you can get on the straight and narrow road. That's called repentance. God is calling his church to wake up. He's looking to find true Christianity in practice today. Not just profession, but possession, living it out every day. So in Acts chapter 9, Jesus introduces himself to Saul. Saul says, who are you? He says, hello, my name is Jesus. So since you are the Lord, since you're Jesus, what would you have me to do? Jesus says, well, go into the city and it will be told you what you must do. When you meet Jesus... Your very next step is you need now to be connected to the body of Christ. That's why that, that new believers class is so important. The longer you wait, 
the greater the temptation is to develop this Christianity as if my life is all unto myself. I don't have to give an account to anybody. They, I, can, I can live any kind of life I want to and still be a Christian and still be a member of the church. No, he told Saul, submit yourself. Don't do anything. It'll be told you what you must do. How many of you have newborn babies and they just come into the world just telling you what they want? No, no, no. Uh-uh. I'm the parent here. It will be told you what you must do. I will feed you. And that's what Saul did. He went into the city. He rose from the earth. His eyes were open. He saw no man, verse 8. But they led him by the hand. That's what you do with a new believer. You lead him by the hand. You bring them to the next step. You bring them because they're on a journey. We are all on a journey. The Christian life is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And you are walking hand in hand with some other believer. In other words, your destiny is tied to somebody else in the body of Christ. You're not just on your own. You're in a family now. You're a member of the body of Christ. And the one that the Lord chose to connect to Saul was a disciple in the city of Damascus named Ananias. Ananias questioned his calling to disciple Saul. Lord, you sure? I've heard about this man. You really want me to disciple him? Ananias said, okay, Lord, you're Lord. Is that what you say? That's what I'm going to do. Christians, we got to stop living in fear. We got to stop living in fear. If my car get jacked, if I go down there and they rob me, if I get beat up, if I get mugged, if I get raped, if I get shot, fear will keep us from, from greater connection in the body of Christ. Fear will keep us from obeying God. And, and your blessing is on the other side of your yes. There's not a bullet, not a stray bullet in America, in the world, that has my name on it unless God sends it. And if God sends it, hey, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So I'm not afraid. I'm not a slave to fear. So Ananias, he, he was not a slave to fear. You know what Ananias' name is? His name is, it really goes back to the book of Daniel. The Hebrew derivative of the name Ananias is Hananiah. Y'all remember Daniel? Hananiah, Ashael, uh, uh, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Mishael and, and Azariah and Hananiah and Daniel. Those four young men were taken captive in the city of Babylon. They were given Babylonian names. You probably remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But the, the point I want to make is that God will always give you friends. He will give you family that, that, that reveal that your destiny in order to get through your journey, you can't just walk by yourself. Paul's destiny was tied to Ananias. And Ananias, verse 17, says he went his way. He entered into the house. He laid hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, say, listen, you used to be an enemy, but now you're my brother. Because you met Jesus, you're my brother. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
listen, we're a body. We are a body. Some of us are hands, some of us are ears, some of us are eyes, some of us are internal organs. As I was preparing this message, the Lord said, tell the people, some of you all are butts. That's funny, but listen, where would you be without your butt? You'd be sliding off your chair right now. You better thank God for the butts in the body of Christ, the people that we sit on, the people we rest on. Thank God. Come on, let's thank God for the butts. Amen. <laughs> All because the name Jesus, we're in the body of Christ. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power in the name Jesus. Come on, just 10 seconds. Just, just say the name Jesus. There's power in the name Jesus. Jesus. Now the Lord wants us to understand as a church. Now if you have met him, you have access to that power. Yeah, you got access to the power. And he wants us to release the power that's in his name today. Because this, this same Saul who met Jesus and, and was connected to Ananias and was filled with the Holy Spirit because Ananias laid hands on him in the name of Jesus, he now began walking in the power of that name. Whoo! This is the same Paul who said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Listen, you can't get the power unless you get the fellowship. <laughs> a lot of us just want the power of the resurrection. A lot of us just want the crown, but you've got to take the cross too. That's the pathway to the power. Even if it means being conformed unto death, just like him, I want to know him. This Paul was on this journey when he got introduced to Jesus, and it was not a casual relationship. It was not just a one-day-a-week relationship. Hello, somebody. You know, the Lord wants to talk to you on other days besides Sunday. He wants you to worship him on other days other than Sunday for an hour and, and 45 minutes. Don't let the preacher go two hours. The Lord wants to be with you in relationship. Paul began to walk with him and to know him in such a way that in Acts chapter 19, this is what began to happen. The Spirit of Christ began to rest upon Saul in such a powerful way that even when handkerchiefs were, 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 were laid on Paul's body, and when he took the handkerchief away, that same anointing of Jesus that was transferred to Paul was now transferred to the handkerchief. And Paul wasn't selling them for $19.99 like on BET. Hello, somebody. They would send the anointed handkerchief to somebody who was sick, and they would just lay the handkerchief on a sick body, and they would get healed. I'm talking about a transferable anointing, a transferable power that was on the life of Saul, on Paul. A couple of years ago when we were in Israel, we, we went to the, to the city of, uh, not uh, Israel, but we were on a, tour of the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. We went to the city of Ephesus in Turkey and uh, we saw the place where, where Paul ministered and uh, this was the place where those disciples in Ephesus were filled with the Holy Spirit when 
when uh, the, the, the apostles came and said, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. They said, well, how did you get baptized? They said, we just got baptized in the name of Jesus. We repented of our sins, but we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. Tell us more. Is there more? Now that, I'm a, uh, now that I know him, is there more in my steps? See, you're tied, your destiny is tied to somebody else. They can bring you to greater revelation. And they began to expound upon them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they laid hands on them, and they were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and went to a greater level of their connection and relationship with Jesus Christ. But Ephesus was also known for its magicians and its wicked arts. They were known for their, their Harry Potter stuff, their Ouija boards and their horoscopes. Some of y'all don't get up in the morning until you read your horoscope. Right? You don't date nobody unless you find out what sign they are. Listen, there's only one sign you need to know. It, the cross. Have you come under the blood? That's what I need to know. I want to know your credit score sign. That'll come later, but I want need to know, first of all, are you under the blood? And so the, these, these disciples began to, to preach with the power that was in the name Jesus. And listen, when you begin to release the name Jesus, people's lives are going to be transformed and the world is going to notice. They began to notice. It's proof of God's existence when he sees the transformed life of a believer. And there were seven sons of Sceva who also began to notice. Man, there's power when you preach the name Jesus. There's, there's, there's transformation when, you, when, when, you, when you've been with Jesus and you, you, know, you can just put a cloth on that person who, who knows Jesus and, and their life is transformed. And, and they said, well, you know what? We can do the same thing too. So they began traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. And a few times it probably worked. You ever notice, you ever ask the question, Lord, how is it that you can use so-and-so to be a great singer or musician or psalmist or preacher or teacher, and I know their life is jacked up? You ever ask yourself that question? Lord, this preacher has been married 18 times, and they still got a church bigger than mine. Lord, how is it that you can use them and I'm here struggling. It's the name Jesus. It's not them. It's not them. It's the power that's in the name Jesus that's released. God's not going to renege on the power that's inherited in the name. I don't care who's speaking it. So a few times, these seven sons of Sceva, they saw some results. But verse 13, all it takes is one time to know you don't have the name group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation this is New Living Translation they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out I, can you just hear him using a Baptist preacher Pentecostal voice <laughs> come out in the name Jesus Right? Because, you know, it's, it's more power when you, like, you know, when you evangelistically speak it, right? Not just, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. I mean, you get, and the, the demons, they recognize religion, I guess. No, they don't. No. The power, you don't get the power through religion. You don't get the power through ritual. You don't get the power through routine. Just because you showed up here today don't mean you got the power. 
Just because you was here last week and you come once a month don't mean you got the power. You get the power through relationship. You got to know the name. You got to know the person who has the name. If I mention the name Bill Gates, what do you think about? Computers and money, right? I mention the name Serena Williams, what do you think about? Tennis. So I mention the name Tiger Woods, what do you think about? Now, I don't care if you name your little baby girl Serena. Name your little boy Tiger. You can change your name to Bill Gates, but you ain't got his money, you ain't got her athletic skills, and you ain't got Tiger's influence and reputation. Changing your, the power ain't in your name, it's in the person. You get the power through relationship. And I cannot just let you know that some of y'all are dealing with situations and circumstances, and we're going to pray in just a minute, but some of y'all are dealing with circumstances, and you like the seven sons of Sceva. You're dealing with your marital issues, like the seven sons of Sceva. In the name of Jesus, who Bishop Harvey spoke about and who... Paul preached, we're going, we're going to work through this situation. You ain't got no power. Listen, if you work customer service and you get one of them irate customers, you better know the name. You better know the person. Well, Shaniqua going to come out in a minute. You don't want Shaniqua to come out. You want Jesus to come out. Because Shaniqua ain't always been saved. When your doctor diagnoses you with cancer, when your mama dies, when your loved one is, is on their sickbed, when your spouse gets incarcerated and separated for 25 years, you better know the person behind the name because you're dealing with some real life circumstances and you only get it by relationship. So these seven sons of Sceva. Sceva was a leading priest, so they thought they had relationship with Jesus through the grandfather plan. So our, our, our daddy is a leading priest, so we're his children, so... That makes you our grandfather. So, listen, God don't have any grandchildren. He just got children. You're not saved just because mama's saved and daddy's saved. Their father was a leading priest. They were doing this, verse 15 said, but one time. They were doing it, but one time. That's all it takes is one time. Hmm. I didn't get a whole lot of whoopings in my life, but one time, that's all, oh, I don't want to do that again. Whoo, one time, one good time. <laughs> when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? See, when that spirit spoke, listen to this. He said, I know Jesus. The spirit, the devil used the word, the Greek word gnosko, which means I recognize. Or somebody say, you better recognize. He said, I recognize the name Jesus. That means I have knowledge of. I am intimately acquainted with him. I remember because I was in heaven and I was with Satan who fell like lightning from heaven. I recognize that name. I know Jesus. I gnosko. I have experience with him. This is the one who commands winds and waves and demons and elements and they obey him. I recognize Jesus. He said, I know Paul. He uses, the demon uses a different word, epistemi, which means I have knowledge of his reputation. I have not met him personally, but I heard about him. See, I heard he used to be 
on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But a couple of years ago, he went to the Golden State Warriors. He used to be on our team. But now he on their team, and they win in championships. I heard about him. Some of y'all are going to be saying that next year about your, your, your Cleveland Cavalier hero. I heard about him. He, he used to be on our team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me get back to the message. He used to be on our team, they said about Saul. But now he's on Jesus' team. And everywhere he go, he's stomping on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. But who are you? I don't know you. I don't recognize you. You don't got no reputation. You ain't got no victories. You ain't got no, no score sheet. We don't, we don't even see. Your name ain't even in the book of life. And the evil spirit attacked them and beat them and drove them out of the house naked, stripped and naked and humiliated they went out. It's not just enough to have the name on your lips. You got to know the person behind the name. And I guarantee that there's a battle coming your way. There is a struggle coming your way. Some of you are already in that storm right now that you must know the person behind the name, Jesus. Let me go on. I'm, 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 I'm almost out of time, but one of the things that the Lord wants to do today is that he wants us to bring some of those circumstances, some of those situations, some of those people, some of those problems. He wants us to bring them to, the, to this, this altar, this place of prayer today. And he wants, he wants our prayer team and our pastors and elders and ministers to lay hands upon the body of Christ today and release the authority that's in the name Jesus. I mean, know that he's given authority in that name. He's given us authority in his name. I want the worship team quickly come, come back. This past week, I had an opportunity to, uh, <clears throat> to go over to Grand Rapids for a conference. It's the first time that I've been to Grand Rapids. And uh, rather than driving around the lake through Chicago, a group of us, we went down to the port of Milwaukee, drove my car onto the ferry for the first time. But before I could get access to the ferry, I had to pull out my wallet, show them my ID to prove that I was who I was. So you need an ID in order to go through security. You can't go into the, into the access area of power and authority and privilege without an ID. Years ago, the father, he authorized Jesus. He put his stamp on Jesus. He says, listen, whoever is identified in you, I'll give them access to the ferry. I give them access to the, to the high security area. I give them access to the power, to the prestige, to the privilege, but you've got to have the right idea. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. 
You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.